Hey, sis. Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. Now, real quick before we get into the show, did you know that this podcast is a spinoff from a book that I wrote? Yes. Mom Keys to Mental Peace, 12 Tips to Become a Healthy Mom and Raise Healthy Children. In this book, I share my story about how I identified toxic patterns of thinking about life and motherhood. I share how God helped me to transform by the renewal of my mind. I didn't want to keep this revelation to myself, so I packaged it in a book to share how you can transform your mindset and lifestyle too. This book is for anyone who desires to break unhealthy generational patterns in their family, want to build healthier and stronger relationships with their children, or for anyone who wants to overcome the battle of negative thoughts in their mind. After reading this book, you will learn how to gain confidence in who you are as a mother, handle unhealthy thinking patterns when they appear in your mind, and position yourself to achieve mom-life balance. This book is available wherever books are sold, and the link will be in the show notes. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. I'm your host and sister in Christ, Tarikaya Allen Butler. This is a podcast for Christian moms who struggle with limiting beliefs and want to learn how to make over their mindsets and level up their lifestyle in faith, family, finances, and fitness. Tap in each week for the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast, where you will learn major keys to stop coming up short on your goals and start leveling up for the type of lifestyle you desire God's way. Ready to level up? Let's do it. All right. So welcome everyone, um, returning listeners and new listeners to the podcast. I am excited um, to hop into today's talk. Today's show is a little different, something I've been wanting to do for a while. It's a Q&A style. So um, I posted on my social media as well as to my email list um, a link just for you all to share some questions that you have about motherhood and about parenting. Um, for the month of May, that has been the theme or the focus of all of our episodes. So if you have um, missed any episodes, be sure to go back onto the podcast platform or my YouTube channel and catch the replays of those, okay? So like I said, today I'll be answering questions that were submitted. Um, and this advice is based off my personal experience or through some research that I've done. And um, this will be our final and conclusion episode this month for our motherhood series. I pray that you all have enjoyed it. All right. So our first question that we received was, how do you balance motherhood time with your spouse or significant other, and time with yourself. Now, I feel like this question for balance is like the golden question that all moms have, right? Because we wear so many hats and have so many things to do. It really takes a lot to try to balance and juggle all things. So 
My first tip for this is to have a color coordinated calendar. If you have followed me for any time, y'all know I love my calendar. I'm forever bragging and talking about my calendar because it just brings so much peace to my life and to my mind. And that is the whole goal of Mom Keys and Mental Peace, right? To have some type of peace of mind. And a calendar will save your life, I promise you. It sounds simple, but it is a tool that can really change the, tra the trajectory of your life and how you approach things. So definitely get a calendar. You can use the one in your phone or get like a dry erase board or a dry erase calendar. I got mine from Hobby Lobby, but I'm sure that like Family Dollar, Dollar General, Dollar Tree, maybe even has like some type of a dry erase board that you can use um, each month for your calendar. And like I said, or you can just use your phone. Also those um, planner books where you can write in them. I know all those stores I mentioned, your dollar stores, Walmart, whatever, they have those as well. Just some type of calendar for you to put your events and things on. Now, this is a great visual for you to see where most of your time is being spent, right? So as far as that balance, if you feel like you're not getting enough time with your spouse, by having this calendar and planning out everything and the color coordinates um, for each activity is a great visual for you to see if you're spending more time doing one thing than another, or if you need to increase um, your time and focus in another area, right? So um, for me, and this helped me to see that a lot of our family activities were with the kids, right? I have three kids. My oldest plays AAU basketball. Um, so there's always something on the calendar for that, whether it's a practice or a tournament going on. And my six-year-old, she's involved in gymnastics. We just finished T-ball season. There's always something going on at their schools or after school. So by having this color-coordinated calendar, I saw that a lot of activities were going to my kids, right? Now, this is not to say this is a bad thing or a good thing, but it's just that visual to help you see, right? So... Um, do y'all remember like making um, or working on graphs in school where you had a key at the bottom? So you might have like a squiggly line or a straight line or a dash line. And on that graph, the key lets you know what each line means. So create a color coordinated key for your calendar. So for example, for me, anything dealing with my kids or um, with family, I write it in yellow in my phone. Anything that's like a personal mommy activity for just me, no family involved or out with my girls, I schedule it in pink. And anything um, with my husband that we have for our date nights or just an activity together, I schedule that in red. This is a great, great visual for you to see, again, where your time is going. Um, another key to balance all the things with motherhood, your family and your spouse is to plan ahead of time. So I'm at the point in my life where if it's not on my calendar or in my planner, it's not gonna happen, <laughs> right? So I'm really big on planning ahead of time, kind of having an idea of what I want to do if I see an event um, online or if I'm talking with my girls and it's like, hey, you know, we haven't seen each other in a while, let's plan something. Then I'm penciling it in or scheduling it on my calendar ahead of time. 
And this is something good too for kids if you need to set up that babysitter. Most of the time, if you know ahead of time what you're doing, it's kind of easier to plan that, okay? Also set a number that's reasonable for you to stick to for the amount of times you wanna do an activity. For example, with me and my husband, we decided that we wanted to have at least one date night a month. Now that might not sound like much to, to others. It, you know, it depends on your relationship and your family dynamic. But from what I realized on my calendar is that me and my husband weren't getting any time together. <laughs> it was either me doing something by myself or something for the kids or him doing something by himself. And I guess we felt like, well, you know, we're doing something as a family or we're, as, we're together as a whole during our kids' events, but there was no one-on-one, -on -one, just me and my husband time together. So we plan to have at least one date night or one date day together where it's just me and him. And we have been consistent with that since January. So, you know, I plan to keep that up. And as time goes on and, you know, depending on our family dynamic, we may increase it to two times a month or whatever. But that goes back to my point. Set something that's reasonable for you to stick to. If it's not reasonable for you to stick to, then you're going to fall off and not show up for it. And then you're back in the same hole that you were trying to get out of in the first place. OK, now I want to recommend this book. Um, it's called She is Uncompromising. And the author is Tatum Tamia. And she breaks down how to balance life um, as a mom, as a spouse, as a businesswoman um, so well. It's called She is Uncompromising. And I will have the link and the show notes to get this book. But she kind of debunks that whole word balance, right? So the true definition of balance is to distribute the weight evenly. And in this book, she gives an example of like someone walking on a tightrope, right? They have to be balanced. There's this super skinny line that they're trying to balance their weight on and it's kind of wiggly and you know, it's hard to do, it's not easy to do. And she pretty much compared that to life. So that's that number one question. How do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? That means that everything in your life has to be distributed evenly, which is not a reality because we wear different hats and different things have different priorities in our lives, right? So each hat that we um, wear carries a different weight. It carries a different level of responsibility and it has different priorities. So instead of saying, you know, how do I balance life? She uses the term total life harmony, which I love. And pretty much this is each part of your life working together where there is peace, right? And you're not wobbling, trying to balance it all on this skinny string um, all the time, right? And in order to have total life harmony, you have to be intentional and create a system for your life. So if you're somebody that feels like a calendar ain't that serious or I don't need to plan ahead to do things, then you're going to keep feeling unsettled and overwhelmed and feeling like you're not showing up as your best in all areas. You have to be intentional. You have to create a system. This stuff, um, total life harmony is not going to come just from randomly waking up one day and going through your day and going through your life, just hoping for the best. That's not how that's going to work, right? So um, one thing that she suggests in the book, and I did this in January, is to take inventory of everything that you do for your whole day for three to five days. 
So you're keeping track of what tasks that you have to do each day and how long it takes you to complete each task. Now, I did this in the notes section of my phone because, you know, I always have my phone by me, but you can have a pencil and paper and just kind of write out what you do. So wake up in the morning. If you've got to get the kids together, driving to work, what you're doing at work, just keep a tally of what you're doing and how long it takes you to complete that task. Now, this is a great visual um, where you're able to see where your time is going and identify your priorities. So again, back to me and my husband, I claimed that, you know, my marriage was a priority. My husband was a priority. But when I took inventory for those three to five days, it was not showing that <laughs> at all on my schedule. So how can I say that marriage is a priority, but it's not showing up that way or I'm not showing up that way and how I operate in my day to day life? So um, again, I was able to see that most of my day went to my kids needs and their extra activities. So again, this visual isn't to condemn you or to blame you for doing anything wrong. Sometimes you really just aren't aware because we're just going through the motions of the day. And again, this goes back to that intentionality where you're able to see. So I pray that that answers your question. Again, I'll have the link to that book um, in the show notes. She is uncompromising. All right. Our second question that we received is, how do you spoil yourself without feeling guilty as a mom? <laughs> so this is a great question. This is definitely something that I have overcome, um, I will say, in the past six years. Okay. So the first thing for this is that you have to understand that you are not a better mom just because you buy your kids stuff and don't buy yourself anything. So think about that mom who does buy herself things and does spoil herself or treat herself to nice things. Does that mean she's a worse mom than you because she buys herself stuff? No, <laughs> that's not what that means. So you have to get out of your mind that, oh, I'm, I'm a good mom or I'm a great mom because I make sure my kids are good and I sacrifice and don't buy myself anything. Your value as a mom is not based on items and things that you buy or don't buy. This was something that I had to learn, especially um, being a teen mom. For my oldest son, I would buy him every single Jordan that came out. I would decorate his room down with all the cool things that I felt were needed in his room. His closet was full of clothes. And I can just remember like standing back, looking in pride, like, yeah, I did that. My son got all this stuff, you know, he's blessed. And I'm grateful that, you know, I was able to buy those things. But I realized later on that those things didn't matter for our relationship, right? They're simply items, right? They don't hold value onto who he is as a child and to who I am as his mom. They are simply items and things. So that's the first like mindset shift that you have to do is that your value as a mom is not based on things that you buy or don't buy, okay? You have to make a commitment. Um, oh, excuse me. I suggest that if you struggle with mom guilt to buy yourself things, make a commitment to buy yourself one item a month. All right. Whether it's just a cute T-shirt somewhere or to go get your nails done or your hair done or a pair of shoes. Just make a commitment to buy yourself one item out of the month and you can increase that um, as you feel comfortable. So also you have to choose your guilt. This um, point I should have said a little earlier, but you have to choose your guilt. 
So you're either going to feel guilty for buying yourself something or you're going to feel guilty if you don't buy yourself something, right? So again, you can buy your kids something and feel like a great mom, but on the back of your mind, you feel bad because you're looking at your closet or you're looking at yourself and you're like, dang, I sure wish I could keep myself up more or I wish that I could treat myself to something, but I just don't have it or I just don't have enough because you know my kids are going to come first. So you just have to choose your guilt. Do you want to feel guilty for not buying your kids something? Excuse me. Yeah. Do you want to feel guilty for not buying yourself something? Or do you want to feel guilty for buying yourself something? Right. You have to choose your guilt because <laughs> either way you're going to feel guilty. Um, and a great suggestion that I would give, and I've started doing this this month, is that um, to create a self-care budget. So whenever I get paid, you know, I have my percentages for my bills and savings and all of that. But there's a little percentage that I put to the side for myself that is my self-care budget. And this is the money that I can do whatever I want to do with it. Go out to eat, go to the movies, go shopping. <clears throat> Excuse me, whatever the case may be, that money is for me to um, treat myself or serve myself. So that's a great way to kind of get out of feeling guilty for, about spoiling yourself. I see we have a comment here. For the longest time, I struggled with the thought that I couldn't buy myself anything due to my children being first priority. Yes, I definitely feel you on that. Um, a lot of times we get stuck in that. And I will say, I'm that mom that um, goes by the motto, you know, my kids are going to represent me right so i want them to look well when they go out in public you know they ain't gonna be looking crazy and i'm all done up that that's not what we're saying here right pretty much what i'm saying is don't place your value on what you buy them or don't feel bad because you can't buy them certain things right again your value as a parent is not based on what you can buy and what you can't buy all right so i highly suggest the self-care budget i feel like that will solve a lot of problems or to um, commit to buying yourself one thing a month or treating yourself to one thing a month that is not kid or family related. All right. Our next question that we received is how do you potty train boys or what are some potty training tips? <laughs> All right. So I'm in this stage with my two-year-old. Well, he'll be two on June 1st. I can't believe it. But um this is definitely an interesting phase. It's been different for all of my kids. For my oldest son, his daycare teacher helped him with potty training. Um, there was one day that I dropped him off. He was about three and she said that pampers were not allowed. So I sent him in his big boy underwear that, and by the end of the week, he was trained and ready to go. So I'm not sure what she did, but <laughs> I'm grateful for her. And then with my daughter, my mother-in-law, um, helped with her potty training process because she stayed with her while I was at work. So with my third baby, um, I will say it's a little difficult for him, but I'll give you some um, signs to look for to see that your child is even ready for the potty training process. Because sometimes if you try to force it on them, it can become traumatic and frustrating. And now both of y'all are stressed out over this toilet. So some signs to look for is if your child starts taking their pamper off when they're wet or um, when they're number two, that's a sign that they know that they feel uncomfortable in their pamper and that they know that they no longer want to wear it. So that's a great sign to look for. 
Um, this is something that two of my kids did. I don't know if a lot of kids do this, but if you notice your child hiding when they have to poop, that's a sign that they might be ready um, for potty training. I know right now my two-year-old, he'll go to the spot behind the couch and he has a pamper on while he's doing it, but um, he'll go to the spot behind the couch and he'll poop. So that's a sign that he's showing like, I know that I don't want anybody looking at me or I feel uncomfortable doing this. So I'm going to go hide while I poop. <laughs> okay. So that's a sign that they might be ready for potty training. And another um, sign to see that they're ready for potty training is that they're using the terms about the bathroom. So they're saying pee pee or poop or potty, things like that. If they can verbalize and say those words, that's a good sign that they might be ready for potty training. So one thing that I suggest is that you get them a little potty. Um, I know Walmart has some for like under $20 and keep it in the bathroom so that they understand where to go when they have to use the bathroom. And another thing that you can do is to take them to the bathroom with you and explain what you're doing. So again, this is using that vocabulary and explaining the task that you're doing, giving them verbiage to the actions. So talk about when you are peeing, when you are pooping, when you are wiping, things like that, so that they hear the vocabulary and see the actions compared with it to help them for when it's time for them to use the bathroom. Um, also, you can watch children videos about potty training. I know Gracie's Corner, she has a nice little bop on um, potty training, a potty training song. Um, as well as super simple songs, they have a potty training song and these can be found on YouTube. So kind of watch those videos, listen to the songs, talk about what the kids are doing in the video so that your child sees the correlation. You can also make up your own little potty song yourself. You know, if you're into uh, making up songs or got a little tune, you can make up your own potty song um, with your child and sing that when y'all go to the bathroom as well. But the main thing is to be patient with the process, um, kind of how I shared at the beginning of this. You don't want to force them or make them go to the bathroom if they're resistant. So my two-year-old right now, I think he's used his potty one time. And, you know, we praised him and made it a big deal. That's another tip, too. If they do use the bathroom, make a huge deal about it. Oh, my gosh, you're clapping, you're smiling, you're giving them a hug, you're praising them. So they know that it's a good thing. But um, my son right now, he's showing some resistance. So he'll sit on it, but he's not using it consistently. So if he starts crying and whining and wants to get up, then I'll just get up and, you know, wipe him and put a pamper on him and tell him, you know, we'll try next time. So you don't want to force it or make it a traumatic, it, it, make it a traumatic experience because then they won't want to go at all. Okay. So those are my potty training tips. Good luck <laughs> to all mamas with that. And I would say that those tips can work for both boys and girls. Now, if you're wanting your son to use the bathroom standing up off the gate, that's something you'll have to partner with a man about. I will say both of mine started by sitting down. So that's a personal preference there. <laughs> All right. Um, our next question is, how do you do self-care or practice self-care as a single parent? Now, this one I had to do some research on because um, gratefully, my husband has been um, a part of our kids' lives since I've had them. Um, he was a teen dad right along with me um, and has been there every step of the way. 
So some tips that I have um, for you to practice self-care as a single mom is to make time for exercise. And this is kind of a cliche. We all know we should exercise, but there are so many positive benefits that come from exercising. And it's something that you can do at your house. You don't have to be at a gym. You don't have to have a bunch of weights or go to this. You don't always have to go somewhere to exercise, if that makes sense. That's something you can do right there in your home, in your living room, in your room. Um, and it's a great source of self-care. So as we know, um, exercising, it can relieve stress and it activates those positive endorphins in your in your body and in your brain, right? Um, sometimes you may have to make it, make the sacrifice to wake up earlier to work out. I know that's my self-care thing because if my kids are with me, that's not really self-care while working out, especially my two-year-old. It's not self-care because he's whining, wanting me to hold him or whatever. So I make that sacrifice three days out of the week to wake up earlier than the rest of my family to have that time by myself to work out. And it's self-care because once you start seeing the results, you know, you're feeling yourself, your confidence is boost. That's self-care to feel good about yourself and to feel good while working out. And I will say every time that I um, start my workout, my mood is like, uh, I don't feel like doing this. You know, it's too early. But every time when I'm done with my workout, I'm so proud of myself for showing up and doing it. And I feel so much better that I completed the task. So I highly suggest that you um, plan some exercise time throughout your week. There's seven days a week, sis. If you're not an early morning person, you can commit at least two to three days to wake up early to give that time to yourself, okay? Another thing that you can do um, for self-care as a single parent is to ask for help more often, all right? There is no special badge for a mama that's doing it all on her own, right? And I feel like a lot of times when moms say that in a bragging sense is that they're trying to prove something to somebody like, look, I can do this without you. But again, there's no badge for being a mom that does it all because secretly you are stressed <laughs> the heck out and you wish that you had help, but maybe you feel too prideful to ask for help, right? So not saying this is the case for everybody, but just kind of what I've observed um, from the outside looking in. A lot of times it's pride where you feel like there's this badge of honor for doing it on your own and you're not going to ask anybody for any help and you feel like nobody's in your corner when really there are people in your corner. You just haven't opened your mouth and asked for that help or they don't know how to help because you haven't asked specifically. OK, so don't be afraid to let your guard down, let your pride down and ask for help more often. Reflect on your circle and ask yourself, are you really alone or do you just not want to ask for the help? OK, hold people accountable um, that need to be accountable, especially the child's father. If he's just, you know, not stepping up or not helping, hold him accountable and put some expectations in place and receive the help from him. OK, you don't have to prove to him or to anybody else that you can do it on your own. Ask for help and receive help. All right. Another way to practice self-care as a single parent is to dress up more. I know that um, as a mom, it's easy to let ourselves go 
or to where you feel like you're only in your work clothes and you never put on like, you know, dress up outfits or cute outfits. I've definitely found myself um, in that phase before. Um, maybe you're someone who doesn't, you're not really into heels and all that. You're more into like comfortable clothes. Get you some cute little active wear outfits. I know there are some super cute like yoga pants and shirt um, pairs that go together. You can put that on. Um, just something to feel like you have on some clothes, right? Wearing clothes or dressing up can boost your confidence and is a form of self-care. Um, if the finances are an issue as far as you buying clothes, shop at some local thrift stores. They have cute things in there. Just wash, pre-wash, whatever you get from there. If you feel uncomfortable about um, somebody else wearing those clothes, and I know a thing that I do, my friends know this. I love that we wear the same size clothes. I have friends that overshop. They're always buying something online or going to the mall. So I'll just ask them, hey, girl, you know, you got some stuff in your closet that you don't mind giving away or that you haven't worn or that you aren't planning on wearing anymore, you know. And that's where the majority of my clothes have been coming from is my friend's closets. Okay. I have no shame in that at all. So um, again, if the finances are an issue, those are some tips that you can do um, to dress up more and feel cute and boost your confidence. And the last thing you can do um, for self-care as a single mom is to stop chasing perfection based on society standards, right? You don't have to do it all because you cannot do it all, right? You were not built... Um, to do life alone. You were not built to do parenting alone, right? Parenting is supposed to be two people, but I understand sometimes unfortunate circumstances happen, but this is where you have to branch out to your community and your village and accept and receive that help from others. It's hard when you do it alone or try to do it alone because you're not meant to do it alone. You're not crazy. You're not failing. You're not messing up at life. It's not meant to be done alone, right? Um, one thing that I would suggest is that you chunk your task up. So start making to-do lists for things that you have to get done and um, put your priorities at the top so that if your priorities are done or your most important things are done, okay, cool. To where the less important things, if they aren't done, that's cool too. It's like you can get to it when you can, but make sure that you have a to-do list so that you're hitting those main things that need to be done. So maybe you don't know what your priorities are. That goes back to um, the tip that I gave at the beginning about taking an inventory of your day. Establish your core priorities for you and for your children. Um, and also, and this is probably the most important thing as a single mom, is to parent your children in a way that makes sense for you and your family. What works for somebody may not work for you. And what works for you may not work for somebody. We all have different households. We have different children, different circumstances, different income sources. All of those things are different. What works for one person is not the end-all, be-all for everybody. Parent your children in a way that makes sense for you and your family, okay? All right. And our last and final question. These were some good questions, by the way. I, I did enjoy um, reading these and answering them. But our final question is, what do you do if you don't have a babysitter or a consistent village for your children? Now, 
This I can kind of um, relate to because at the moment, I only have one main babysitter <laughs> at this time, which is my mother-in-law. Um, there are certain family members that I don't trust to keep my children just based off some mental health concerns or just their safety. If I don't feel comfortable, I'm not sending my kids there. And that's just point blank period as a mom, right? Um, and also too, I have some other family members but that I would trust, but they just don't live near me and my family. So I can understand how this can be an issue when you're wanting to do these self-care things and wanting to have a break from your kids, but you don't have reliable um, a reliable village or babysitter to watch your children. Because I understand you're not just about to leave your kids with anybody. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, another thing, too, is sometimes I find myself nervous about asking my friends or others in my village to keep my kids because in my mind, I feel like my kids might be too much for them, right? <laughs> you might be a little nervous about their behavior at somebody else's house and how they're going to have to, you know, put up with them and deal with them. But I realize that's a fear that I have to release <clears throat> sometimes. And it's a prejudgment that I'm putting on them and what they can handle and how my kids are going to act, right? So we have to release the fear of asking for help or release the fear of thinking that something bad will happen to our kids if we're not there, that we're the only ones who can protect them if we're around, which that's that mama bear you know, mindset. But think about when you send your kids off to school or when they're older and go off to college, we're not always gonna be around to protect them. And as Christian moms, we have to trust that God will send the Holy Spirit and protect them when they are out of our sight, right? So um, that's a fear that we have to practice on releasing, myself included. But a tip that I have is to schedule a type of um, some type of a play date with your friends who has kids um, or even a friend who doesn't have kids for a couple of hours if you don't feel comfortable with like an overnight stay. So maybe you can set up something where they keep them for a couple of hours while you have some time to yourself or go out. And then you pick them up and they come home at night. I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, also, maybe look into some trustworthy, trustworthy teenagers to babysit your kids because they're always looking for, you know, ways to make extra cash. Now, if you don't feel comfortable with this, um, try to have a camera or something in your house that's connected to your phone. I know Amazon has like the ring light camera for the front door but maybe see if you can get some for inside of your house so that you can see what's going on um, with this person in there watching your kids, right? Um, I suggest that you call and check in frequently on your children, um, calling the teenager babysitter or if your kids have a phone, depending on how old they are. I know my 13-year-old, He, I don't trust him enough to keep my um, youngers like while we go on a date or something. But if like I'm running to the store or need to do an errand, I do trust him to keep them. But I tell him to make sure his phone is near him and beside him so I can call and he answers if I need him to or so he can call me um, if he needs to. Right. Teach your kids code words and give them access to your number um, if they don't feel safe. So have a conversation with them before you leave them with this person of certain code words that you would use 
if they need to tell you about um, them being in danger, talk about what's appropriate versus what's not appropriate, what's safe versus what's not safe, so they know what to look for, okay? Um, I'm all for being nervous <laughs> about leaving your kids, I understand, but sometimes we have to release that fear um, and just put those things in place, because if not, then you're going to drive yourself crazy and wish that you had that time to yourself and never get it, right? So those are just some things that we have to put in place. All right. So that is all that I have for you all today. I really um, enjoyed this. I definitely would love to do more Q&A sessions. Um, if you are not following me on Instagram and Facebook, those links will be in the show notes so that we can stay connected um, and you can be connected with the content that I shared there. Um, if you are not, I would love to have you join the Mom Keys to Mental Peace community. That link will be in the show notes as well. I share weekly blogs and resources um, there to my email list. So be sure you join that. And be sure to subscribe to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast on whichever platform that you listen to it on. Um, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. I usually take down my live videos and post them there on my YouTube channel for you to watch if you're more of a visual person that has to see somebody while they're talking. I get it. Excuse me. And if you have been enjoying the show, please be sure to rate the show, leave a review, share it with a friend. Um, I definitely would appreciate that. So that is the conclusion of our motherhood series. I pray that it was a blessing to you all, that it was helpful, the information that I shared. Um, and I will see you all next week. Next month will be on finances, one of my favorite topics to talk about. So be sure that you're connected and tune in so that you won't miss that. Bye.